Here we go. Last week we covered the beginning part of chapter 5 in our Dr. Luke series, and we covered the first 11 verses, and we kind of covered Peter, who we realized was called to be a fisher of man. And as we looked at Peter and his calling to be a fisher of man, we realized that we all, everyone in here, were called to be fishers of man as well. It wasn't just Peter's call, it was our call as well. And then we learned that every time we actually share the gospel, we win. We have a win every single time. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to go back on our podcast and listen to it, and you can kind of see what we did there, but it was awesome. We challenged you guys to go home and talk to one person this week about Christ, just to invite them to church, just to start a conversation, do anything with them. And that was our challenge. And as a matter of fact, in our small groups tonight, I'm going to ask you guys to discuss that, the conversation that hopefully all of you guys had. And if you didn't have one, then you're going to have another week next week to kind of start, try to do it again and have a conversation with someone. Now, I got to tell you, um, I had a couple of conversations with people this week, but my week started out really bad, and I failed miserably when it comes to witnessing. My wife and I, we were at the doctor's office on Monday and just getting some stuff uh, worked out there. We walked back out, and then there was this guy sitting as we were walking out of the doctor's office, and he just stared at me. And I had that feeling like, I'm supposed to talk to this guy. But, uh, you know, we were just coming out of the doctor's office, and I was like, man, this is not why I'm here. I'm not here to evangelize. I'm here to get some stuff done. So I just kind of ignored it, and it literally felt like, no, no, you're, you're supposed to talk to him. And the guy was looking at me like he wanted to talk to me. Like, have you ever had one of those guys that just look at you and like, I know you want to talk, but I don't really want to talk to you. It was one of those moments, but it wasn't, it wasn't creepy, weird. It was just like I knew there was something that I should have said. And I walked away, and the entire time as I'm walking away, I'm going to the elevator, I'm thinking, I should talk to this guy. I should talk to this guy. I'm going down the elevator, I'm turning to PM, and I'm saying, I really should talk to this guy. And then I'm going out, and I'm like, man, God, what kind of a, what kind of a chance did I miss here? Because I don't have it all the time that I feel like I'm supposed to talk to someone. Someone, I just talk to people, but sometimes when you have these moments where you feel like God is saying something, that's usually a moment when God is going to do something awesome. And I just totally failed. I totally ignored the Holy Spirit and just didn't do it. Can you guys relate to that? Anybody? Sometimes we just do that. Man, I want to encourage you guys, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, do it. Because all the way on the way home, I was thinking, what could have happened? Maybe, you know, he was there because he needed a healing. I could have prayed for him right then and there and he would have gotten healed. Maybe he, he needed to know about Jesus and he could have gotten saved on the spot. I don't know. Maybe I could have just planted a seed. But whatever it was, I will, I will never find out. Maybe I'll find out in heaven. And now my only prayer can be that what I didn't do, I hope that someone else will go and plant the seed. See, it's important that we listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he calls us to do because we're all called to be fishers of man. I should have reached out, but I didn't. Tonight we're going to talk about chapter 5, five verses 12 through 26, and our sermon title actually is Reach Out. So we're going to be talking about what it means to reach out and what it means to, for us to kind of reach out to the community and those that are around us. I want to start with a question, and the question is this. What is the greatest tragedy that can happen to any person? What is the greatest tragedy that can happen to any person? I want you guys to just take a, a shot and just write something in there. You might write down, well, the, the, the worst thing that ever happened to someone is bankruptcy, or it's, you know, like getting your arm chopped off. I don't know, whatever. Just write something on there that you think is the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone that has ever been on this planet. And we're going to answer this question at the end. So I want you guys to just take a shot. Just, you know, take, take your hand out, write something in, and just kind of do it. And then we'll answer this question at the end of the message. While you guys are filling something out, I'm going to go pray. And then we're going to dive into chapter 5, verse 12. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I pray that you would come right now. Holy Spirit, I declare my dependence upon you, and I ask that you would speak through me tonight. I ask that you would remove me from behind this pulpit, and that my words will be your words. 
I need you, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, change us, challenge us tonight. Let your word speak to us, and we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. How many of you guys love the Bible in here? All right, 10 of you guys. That's great. Out of the whatever. That's terrible. All right, I love the Word of God, and I love what D.L. Moody said about the Word of God. He said, this is on your handout. It says, the Bible will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from the Bible. And this is so true, and this is kind of even why we're doing this series. We want you guys to fall in love with the Bible, because when you fall in love with the Bible, when you read the Bible, it will change and transform your life completely. And it will actually help you to stay away from the things that are tempting to you. Isn't that cool? I'm going to preach to that side tonight because apparently all the guys are just totally dead. It's a good thing that we have Pastor Tommy in the back because he's going to help me out, so that's good. All right, so here's the, here's the story. Last week, we just left it off with Jesus talking to Peter and a couple of his friends, and he called them to be fishers of men, and they all left everything behind and they followed Jesus. So now Jesus is running around. He's preaching the kingdom of God in these different cities, and we pick it up here in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Now, I don't know whether you guys know anything about this disease, but it's pretty creepy, and I, I kind of looked around even on the internet to kind of find some pictures, and I, I stuck with the one that was not as creepy as all the other ones, because uh, it was weird. But it's basically a skin disease, and it can be as simple as just, you know, like your skin kind of breaking out. I actually have one on there, so kind of like, you know, where it's just the, the face is a little distorted and, and different things. But it gets to the point sometimes where, where your hands, your fingers can fall off. I mean, like, you know, body parts. It's, it's a pretty serious disease, and it says here that this guy was covered in it. This actually comes from a Latin, Latin word, lepra, which means scaly, and it's a disease that can be cured our days, but it was not really curable back in the day. So you have this guy here that is running around, and he's a leper, and really he was supposed to run around saying, unclean, 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 because anytime someone had leprosy, they were supposed to declare that so that people could basically walk around them and not be anywhere close to them so that they wouldn't get anything that they had. Now, this guy doesn't do that, at least not from what we can tell you. He's just there, and then he, he runs to Jesus, and he says this. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, and he begged him. I mean, there was some desperation in his voice right here. He begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, lepers were not allowed in the city. So I'm not quite sure whether this happened in the city or on the outskirts. It may have happened on the outskirts, or if it was in the city, he kind of snuck in somehow and covered himself up so that no one could see. And then as soon as he Jesus, he throws himself on the ground and says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Which is really interesting if you look at this, because I underlined this there. He, did ha he had no doubt that God could make him clean, or Jesus could make him clean. He was just wondering whether Jesus was willing to make him clean. Which is interesting because, you know, we just always think of, you know, it's just a different perspective from saying, hey, I know you can, but, but are, you, are you gonna make me whole? And then Jesus, in verse 13, reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, you guys just saw a very mild picture of someone with leprosy. Again, I could have showed you some pictures that probably grossed you out, and I promise you most of you guys would not want to go and go to the person and touch him. That's the last thing you want to do. Jesus said, you know what? I'm not just willing to. Let me go and make sure I have contact with you. And I wonder whether that was the first time in years that anybody had ever touched him. Because they would literally live outside the city, sometimes in leper colonies. They would be outcast. They would not be around anybody. And here's Jesus, a rabbi, and he's teaching and he's, and he's touching them and saying, hey, I'm willing to make 
you clean. Actually, it leads me to a principle in evangelism, and that is this. Number one, we're called to reach out to the untouchables of society. Young people, you are called, just as I'm called, to reach out to the untouchables of society. Now, who is an untouchable? It's someone that no one else wants to associate with. The one person in the cafeteria that everybody avoids because they are just weird, they're smelly, you know, they do weird stuff, whatever it is, you, we all have the people in school, right, that, that they're just outcast. No one wants to talk with them, and really, if you associate with them, you kind of become part of that outcast crowd, and no one really would want to do that because you don't want to be not popular because we all want to be popular. Now, why don't we talk to some of those people? I think sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's because they could be smelly. Have you ever talked to a smelly person? I have. It's not fun. But you know what? I think sometimes the reason why we don't want to talk to the people that are weird and different is that we think they're not worth as much as, for example, a movie star. Everybody wants to talk to the movie star and get them to be saved. Everybody wants to talk to the guy that, you know, has the, the latest album out and is selling millions and millions of CDs or, you know, whatever. But nobody wants to talk to the smelly guy in the corner. And I wonder sometimes whether it is because we, we say, you know, one person is worth more in the eyes of God than the other. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. That's actually pretty good news. Because that means all of us are worth a lot in the eyes of God. Because we're not a superstar, right? I mean, we're not a movie star. It's way too quiet in here. God cares about everybody the same, and not one person is not worth more than the other. And, and I think sometimes we feel that way because we, we certainly act that way. But we need to reach those that are untouchable. And I want to challenge you guys. I want you guys to go back to your school, back to wherever it is that you go, and I want you to reach someone that's apparently untouchable, an outcast. And I want you guys to just talk with them. And I'm not just telling you to do something that I haven't done. I did it last week, too. I, I work with someone that, that I would usually not necessarily always um, be in close contact with. So I think it's good for us. And I think it will change the way that you think. And Jesus said this, I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately leprosy left him which would have been pretty cool to watch. Again, I don't know whether he had just some skin condition or it was literally fingers missing and everything, but instantly everything was back to normal. That would have been pretty cool to watch. I would have been amazed if I was right there. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone. Like, that's going to do any good. If he walks around and people know him, they're going to see, you know, like he's different. I mean, like, if he didn't have a hand before, you're going to know, what, what happened to your hand? Where did that come from? I mean, he didn't even have to talk, but it's interesting that Jesus is so not American. He really isn't because obviously he was Jewish. But the point here is that, you know, we would have gone out and told everybody that, you know, hey, look, I just healed that guy right there. And Jesus is like, no, don't, don't tell anybody. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Very normal here. He's telling him, go to the priest who kind of was a medical examiner and just check out to make sure that everything that is, you know, that's proper, that you're really clean. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to him to be healed of their sickness. All of a sudden, Jesus has this crowd of untouchables around him. He's famous. And I love this next verse. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. When was the last time you guys withdrew to a lonely place and actually spent some time with Jesus? And I don't just mean five minutes. I mean like literally where you just spend time in his presence. Because our anointing, our compassion, everything in us comes out of the secret place. God really can change in the secret place. See, the reason why some of you guys are not really changed is because you're not spending time in the secret place. The secret place is where it happens. It's not necessarily always a church. God starts stuff in church, but he finishes it in the secret place. So if we don't spend time in the secret place, guess what? I'm going to stay the same. Are you guys still with me? 
it's interesting to me that every time you know, you're, you're in ministry, people always come up to you and say, hey, you know, P.S., I'm called to ministry. I want to preach. I want to be a youth pastor just like you. You know what's funny? I have never had anyone come to me and tell me, hey, P.S., I want to be an intercessor. I'm called to pray eight hours a day. Never had that happen. Never heard of anybody coming up to anybody else either. See, we all want to be preachers, but nobody wants to pray. Everybody wants to be a preacher. No one wants to be a prayer warrior. You know what? It happens in the prayer closet. This is where things change. And I know this is for us. Honestly, that's the toughest place because, man, how many of you guys know it's hard to have a consistent prayer time? It's not easy. That is the number one struggle. When I ask teenagers what it is, that's usually it right there. Now, if you're called to preach, let me give you a line here and write this down and memorize this and never forget this. If you do not know how to pray, you're not qualified to preach. If you don't know how to pray, you're not qualified to preach. So if this is your calling, if you think you're called to preach and you don't know how to pray, forget it. It's not going to work. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. They were all there, all the teachers of the law, and they were checking out this Jesus guy. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick, which is the setup here for the next story that we're about to go into. In verse 18, it says this. Some man came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Interesting here, this guy was not able to come to Jesus, so his friends made sure that they brought him to Jesus, which leads me to a second principle in evangelism, that is this. We're called to reach out, and if necessary, carry the ones that can get themselves to Jesus. Sometimes we need to bring people to Jesus or bring Jesus to them, and that can only happen if we actually start doing it. It's not just going to magically happen. We have to be involved in this process and make up our minds to do so. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I put a picture on that just so you kind of have an idea, and it's not the greatest, but it was the best that I could find. Man, this would be what would be happening if this was us right now. We're in the middle of service, I'm preaching a message, and all of a sudden, right there, a hole appears in the middle, and there's this guy that's coming down, and they want him to be healed. That's kind of what's happening. It's the church service, everybody's listening, and the doors, I mean, the, the window, obviously this would really not work because um, that would take a lot to get a hole in there. Plus, we have a second storage, so that really wouldn't work. Back in the day, they had houses that literally, they just had some beams across the top, and then they put stuff on top of it to kind of cover it up so rain wouldn't come in. But it was very easy to pull aside and then uh, put them through, through the roof. So this was not a hard job, but it still would have been funny. It definitely would have distracted me if I was Jesus. I mean, you're in the middle of the sermon, and, you know, like, it's just, it's weird. I mean, it just, you would be like, what's going on? This is really weird. It would just really stop you in your tracks, and just, you wouldn't really know what to do. Um, actually, sometimes people, when they were in coffins, and they died in the house, and they were in coffins, they would literally open up the roof and carry them out that side. So it was something normal. It wasn't, like, un uncommon for them to uh, tear the roof apart like that. Why do you think they brought him to Jesus? To what? So he could heal him. Would you guys agree with that? So this guy was brought by his friends, and there could have been four or more, you know, that brought him, um, for Jesus to heal him. Okay, so let's, let's think about this, because this is really interesting. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, which is the four or more guys, which is interesting, because I think that when it comes to evangelism, you know, you can carry someone into the kingdom. You can pray someone into the kingdom. If you guys were to really believe in prayer, and if I were to really believe in prayer, I think we could really make a difference. Why are we all in the kingdom? Because someone prayed you into the kingdom. 
We need to start praying some people in the kingdom, and that's the whole point of you can carry someone into the kingdom, and we see this here as a principle. And then Jesus said this. Listen to this. He's coming to get healed, and this is what he says. Friend, your sins are forgiven. If I was the four guys, I'd be like, that's not what we came here for. We came here so that our guy can be healed. Why does Jesus do that? Why would he say that? I mean, they, I mean, they just lowered him down. He looks at him. The first thing he says is, your sins are forgiven. Now, people in the day often associated suffering with sin. In other words, that when someone was suffering, they figured that, you know what, him or his parents, they probably sinned, and that's why he or she is in that condition that she is in, or he is in. So Jesus was totally breaking the mindset here and kind of dealing with something, saying, hey, by the way, your sins are forgiven, which is an easy thing to say, right? Because how do we really know that sins are forgiven? And then he does something else, so he goes a little bit further, and we read this here in, in a couple of verses later. In verse 21, it says this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins but God alone? Which they were right. Only God can forgive sins. They had the right question here, the right thought of mind, but they came to the wrong conclusion about Jesus. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to give his sins. He said to the paralyzed men, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Again, once again, this would have been awesome to watch. You got a guy that is paralyzed that can't really walk, and Jesus just says, listen, immediately he's healed. Immediately he stood up in the front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Isn't that awesome? Once again, what do you see? You see Jesus reaching out to the people around him. Anytime there was somebody around Jesus, and Jesus had compassion on them, he healed them, and he reached out to them. We're all called to be fishers of man. You, young people, are called to be fishers of man. And when we are called to be fishers of man, we need to reach out to people that we can get them in. If nobody's going, no one is going to get saved. And if you think that, oh, my neighbor can do that, or the guy in the youth ministry or the girl in the youth ministry that's on fire right now, they can do it, you know what? We're missing out, and you may have scenarios like me where I witness to someone or don't witness to someone, and I wonder what could have happened. Which leads me back to the question that I open up with. What is the greatest tragedy that can happen to any person? And you could put all kinds of stuff down. You could put down somebody that got raped, someone that got tortured, somebody that got, you know, I don't know, pull, pulled apart. Uh, but really the, the greatest tragedy is for someone to spend eternity in hell. Nothing else compares. No rape, no, no, no torture, nothing else is worse than spending eternity in hell. Our problem is that we don't really believe that. Our concept of hell, Devante, is so messed up. We just don't think it's really that bad. Because if we were really to think it's that bad, we would probably do something about it. Now, I told you about the guy that I failed. I didn't witness to him, and, and, and it was bad, Daniel. But you know what? I also had a couple of good scenarios this week. I had three guys that I talked to. Their names were Kyle, Daniel, and Don. And each of them, I got a chance to just talk with them for a few minutes. I really didn't get into what I usually do. I just had a chance to listen to them and invite them to church. See, when I talk to people, I often use the Ten Commandments. I just love the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments show us whether we are good or not good. And if you ever were to ask anybody, hey, do you think you're a good person? What is the answer that you get? Yeah, I'm a good person. Everybody thinks they're a good person. 
then who is a bad person anyway? I mean, if everybody's good, then, then how come we have so much bad stuff happening? Because literally, every person that you ask, they would tell you, yeah, I'm a good person. I may do some bad stuff, but I'm a really good person. Really? How does that work? Anyway, so what I do is, I often like, the, the guy in the restaurant on, on Monday was um, Kyle. I was just listening to him, and he was just sharing a lot of stuff, and he was just talking, and he was telling us about his school, and he talked about, you know, how we asked him questions about what he was going to do after school, and, and we found out that his parents are actually German, which was an interesting connection, and so we just chatted. So about 10 minutes or so, we just listened to him. And then I kind of changed the conversation around a little bit and said, so hey, um, do you go to church anywhere? Do you have a church background? I just kind of went in that direction. A lot of times I can ask questions like, I want you guys to kind of think about this because I'm giving you some, some ways to talk to your friends. A lot of times I'll ask the question, what do you think happens after you die? It's a great question. And sometimes they have an answer, and if they don't have an answer, they do what Tony taught us a couple of weeks ago. They will ask you and say, so what do you think happens after you die? And it's the perfect segue in for you to say, well, I think, and then you just kind of go through it. And then you ask them, like, you know, hey, you know, do you think you're a good person? And I often use tracks, and this is one of the tracks that I always use, and I love this track. You guys might have seen this, but this is a track that I use all the time. Be like, hey, have you got one of these? And I just show it to them. Hey, have you ever seen these? Which one do you think is bigger? Which one's bigger? Pink one? Okay, let me see the guys do the same thing. Which one is bigger, guys? The pink one? Yeah? Is it? Is it? Is it bigger? Which one is bigger? Wait, wait, which one is bigger? Wait a minute. The blue one is bigger, right? You sure the blue one is bigger? They're actually the same size. And see, what I do with that is, I take it and be like, hey, it's yours. And, and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, which is just an optical illusion. It's really not that big of a deal. But the point is to be like, hey, you know what? You, you were telling me earlier that you're a good person and you think you're going to make it to heaven. And I would tell them, hey, your eyes just played a trick on you. I mean, your eyes just totally deceived you. Could it be that you're wrong about the whole like heaven and hell thing? And then I just kind of start talking with them. And I literally will go through the Ten Commandments with them and just to show them where they really are. Because the truth is, no one can really accept Jesus unless they can see that they're a sinner first. If you lead someone to Christ and they don't know that they're a sinner, you've created a false convert. They need to see that they are a sinner and that they are wretched and that they go to hell if they don't have Jesus. And I don't mean that you tell them, hey, you're going to hell. That's not the way I do it. For example, what I do is, let me do it with Kevin. Kevin, hey. Uh, Kevin and I are going to role play here. Kevin, so... Um, and Kevin and I are talking, I'm witnessing to Kevin. Kevin, have you ever told a lie before? Yeah. Have you ever told a lie before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, you have? Yeah, me too. What does it make you? Sinner. Okay, makes you a sinner, but more specifically, what does it make you? A liar. A liar. Okay, so Kevin, you're a liar. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> Kevin, have you, have you ever stolen <laughs> anything? <laughs> have you ever stolen anything before? No. Never? Mm-hmm. You already told me you're a liar. And I literally have fun with them. Like, I do this. I, I kid you not. I totally do this. So you've never stolen anything, like something small, like maybe taking a pen from church or something like that? No. No? You gave me a pen. Okay, I gave you a pen. So usually people will answer yes. And what does it make you? I'm going to stop right there because I, I don't want to embarrass you. I, I totally, like, I'm, I, this is like what I do. And so, like, and, and what does it make you? Well, it makes, me, makes you a thief, right? Okay, so you're a lying thief. The next question that I have would be, okay, so have you ever lusted after a girl before, after a guy? Lusted? looked at a woman or a guy with lust, and then usually responses, the heads kind of go down, or you know, they're proud of it too, I don't know which one. Yeah, sure, man, I've done that. Okay, so you're adulterer at heart. So you're a lying thief and adulterer at heart. Have you ever used God's name in vain? 
And I do this like just, I, I'm totally like joking it up with them. I'm having fun with them, and they're really enjoying this because it's kind of fun to go through. And they were like, yeah, sure. And sometimes they even like use God's name in vain right then and there. And you're like, okay, that's called blasphemy. So we just went through four out of the Ten Commandments, and you broke all of them. So are you sure you're a good person? And then they're like, well, I guess by those standards, I'm not. And then I ask them, well, do you think you're going to go to heaven or hell after that? And then the realization hits them. They're like, well, I guess I'm not going to heaven. I'm going to hell. And then my follow-up question is, and I really do um, am concerned. I said, does it concern you? Because it concerns me. You don't know where you're going. And I care about you, which is why I'm talking to you about it. And then after that, after they've seen that they're a sinner, I can share the good news of the gospel. And that's how I do it. It's very simple. It's super fun. And those kind of tools are super easy. All of you guys are going to get one of these in small groups. So you can take them, you can use them with your friends, and you can give them away. And if you need more, we'll have some more for you. And we've got lots of other ones that are going to be coming the next couple of weeks. You know what's interesting about when we start talking to people about Jesus? Two things happen. We get a heart for the lost, and God can actually start using us. Because you know what's funny? God can't use you unless you do something. If you just sit, you know, like down and don't do anything, God can't really use that. But when you start going and doing something and talking to people, all of a sudden you can have some really cool encounters. Verse 26, last one, we're going to close out here. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen some remarkable things today. And I hope that next week, as you go to your week and, and go to your school, actually most of you guys are not in school, so the ones that are not in school, as you hang out with your friends, that you can really come back and say, man, we have seen some remarkable things because I talked to someone and something happened. I planted a seed or maybe even someone got saved. We're all supposed to be fishers of man. I love what John Wesley said. He said this, you have nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. Here's the bottom line of tonight. One soul is a countless price. One soul is a countless price. If you only bring one soul into heaven, that would be a countless price because nothing is more precious than bringing a soul into heaven. And I want you guys to have some of your friends that you bring to heaven. See, I believe God gives us unsaved people and friends for a reason. I really do. And the reason is for us to share the gospel with them and to show them through fun, through laughter, with engaging and relationship, but to show them, hey, you know what, there's a Jesus that loves you, and to show them, even through the Ten Commandments, that they're sinners. Does that make sense to you guys? We're going to continue this the next couple of weeks, and I want to teach you guys some more, and I'll give you guys some more tracks and different things to use, but I want us really to become fishers of man. I believe that's what God is calling us to do, and I want each and every one of you guys to, to be that. Some of you guys, you're going to do this and you're going to love it. Others of you guys, you're going to be scared out of your mind when you're doing it. But I promise you, once you do it a couple of times, it really does become fun. It's an adventure that is so much fun to live. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you, as we go into our small groups, would just anoint the time that we have together, that we would share about what God has been doing in our lives and, and even talk about the people that we want to follow up with next week. And I pray that you would make us all fishers of men and that we would reach out to the people around us. And I pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.